So, um, just a few highlights about Jeffrey Eisenberg, which he goes by Jeff, by the way. Um, he is an investment consultant and buyer's agent at Buckingham Investments in South Bay of Los Angeles. Um, Jeff invests in, uh, primarily in multifamily properties here in Southern California, more specifically Long Beach. And uh, as much of you probably already know, uh, this is a very highly competitive market here in Southern California. Um, the cap rates are typically very low. You can find some as low as 2 or 3%. But um, Jeff has found a way to, to make a successful um, a consistent successful investment strategy in this area dealing with multifamily properties in the Long Beach area. So today we're going to learn you know, how he does it, where he came from, um, what he does uh, in his strategy that makes it so successful, and um, that's how we're going to start. All right, thanks. We'll get more into that, and I think it's going to be very interesting to um, my listeners, because I think the perception is though there's very low cap rates here. It's very highly competitive. So maybe you can share a few um, little tips of the trade that you have to be successful in this in this area. Absolutely. Um, and then you also, I remember, is it? Do you have a newsletter that you send out on a frequent basis? Um, we do. Uh, a little bit of background is that I work as an investment consultant and a buyer's agent for multifamily investors. So as a buyer's agent, we focus a lot on um, the learning process in um, the multifamily space. And what we, we mean by that is educating people on why these types of investments work in our local market. So part of that education is not only conducting educational seminars such as meetup groups, but sending out uh, quarterly market studies where we analyze all of the closed sales data for a given area and actually track the numbers from uh, quarter to quarter to see how the market is moving. And when we take all of that and go back um, through all this data, we're able to draw some conclusions on how the market moves and what types of average uh, compounded appreciations that we can return um, to clients in this market. So we're using data, we're educating people on why the market works as opposed to focus, uh, focusing exclusively on uh, what you would call key metrics whether that be gross rent multipliers, cap rates. And we look at kind of like the big picture and the long-term planning before we get into any type of specific investment. And we find that that's very, very helpful for investors, whether you have a lot of experience or you're just starting out, you're able to look at the big picture and say, okay, if I want to invest a certain amount of money in this market over a certain amount of time, a given time period, at um, an achievable sustained rate of return of a certain percentage, we can accurately forecast for how much your investment will grow into the future. So similar to dealing with a financial planner that would deal in stocks and bonds and other investments, we've applied that model to real estate. And, and is that, um, that model that you're, that you're putting into real estate, 
and I is it primarily in this area or are you talking about nationally or throughout the country or just just Southern California? No, this is exclusively in Southern California with a focus on the non-rent controlled areas within Los Angeles that you find in and around the South Bay. So areas like Long Beach, uh, Hawthorne, uh, pretty much anywhere else um, that is currently a non-rent controlled area. Okay, excellent. So um, I was going to ask you what your current focus is and where you typically operate. Um, would your answer be any different than uh, kind of what you've told me already? Uh, no, it would pretty much be the same, but uh, in the multifamily space, um, we focus a lot on why this market works, and um, that currently is where the focus is. So when we say multifamily, we could be on the low end of that spectrum um, for new investors getting into something as starter as an owner-occupied duplex as a start to their investing journey. And right up to the larger investors that are looking for, you know, 20 unit buildings and, and, and upwards from there. So we kind of run the, uh, the full spectrum. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then I know you mentioned that you've applied um, the, some of the same model that, that people apply to stocks to real estate. Is, is there a difference in, um, a t in how yours is from a typical brokerage model? Yes. Um, specifically, we find that uh, typical brokerages just kind of operate along, and I, I don't necessarily want to use the word uh, assumption, but in working with investors, they assume that all investors are knowledgeable and savvy on the markets and how real estate investing works. So we find that they focus more on the individual opportunities and properties available for sale without really looking at the big picture in how that um, building may work for an individual's portfolio. It kind of focuses more on that deal where, you know, you bring something to an investor and say, hey, I have this great eight unit property. It's, you know, $3.2 million. We got a five uh, cap on it. And, you know, with current gross rent multipliers in the realm of 14, here's your return, you should consider buying this. And we just find that there's a lot of focus on individual metrics. And that really doesn't tell the big picture. And um, just to give you an example, you can look at a building based on its current performance and perhaps look at that opportunity and say, no, you know what? This, this cap rate just doesn't work for me. I only look at cap rates higher than five. Well, if you look at a, a certain opportunity and say, okay, well, let's look at what the market is doing in terms of um, appreciation of the assets, rental growth, all these other things, what does that investment look like mm -hmm. in a year? What does it look like in three years? And how much equity buildup can you get? Because our strategy focuses on wealth building. So um, these properties uh, can appreciate quite significantly when the market is, is doing well, and you can leverage those to acquire additional properties and additional assets to grow a very, very substantial portfolio. And this is very, very different than 
a lot of people that invest in out of state where perhaps they're only looking at a component of cash flow as their entire yield and return on the investment. We're looking at multiple factors and why that can make you rich. Wow. So I think there's probably a, a whole nother episode we could talk on just about that. <laughs> probably. Um, there's a lot of, I think, a lot of compact information in there. And I, I want to pick your brain about it. But, you know, I think because this is the first time that we're talking, um, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'm going to slow it down and just, you know, get let people get to know you a little bit more. Um, so why don't you tell us how you got started in, in this space? Very, very good question. So like many of your listeners out there, I was involved in um, a more traditional business as far as how I earned my livelihood. Um, I was working for over 20 years in a business that provided specialty video display equipment. So this was the uh, indoor and outdoor jumbotron LED type video screens. And, you know, I spent my days building a company and uh, earning my money that way. And just looking at a lot of the investments that I had, I was not really you know, enamored with the traditional stock and bond route. If you want to play it safe as an investor, you pretty much have to, you know, similar to real estate, you have to ride out the market cycles. And I kind of looked at where I wanted to be in the future. And that's, you know, part of the planning element that we work with clients on is where I wanted to be in the future. Uh, meaning, when did I want to retire? How much money did I want to have? How would I be able to live the lifestyle that I wanted to live? And when I looked at the investments that I already had, I felt that it would be very, very difficult to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So where real estate came into play was I always liked the idea of owning multifamily property because it was a very easy concept uh, to grasp as far as, you know, housing being a basic human need and mm -hmm. knowing that you can actually purchase these buildings with the use of leverage, whether that's, you know, bank financing, mortgage, uh, you know, institutional, you know, wherever that money was coming from, you were still only paying a fraction uh, of that asset while over time it would build up equity and be worth more money. But along the way, the cost of that financing was going to be paid down by the revenue um, from the people that were living in the building. So conceptually, right. that kind of worked really, really well for me that you can kind of go out as just an example to throw some numbers around. You buy a building for $2 million, but you only have to pay 25% down. Mm -hmm. So at 500000 you know, you have this asset. Granted, there's, you know, a liability against it in the debt, but that's getting paid down every month through the income. And it's also going up in value over time. So conceptually, that made a lot of sense to me. And it was something that I always wanted to do. But a lot of times we get too focused on the day-to-day -day things that we're doing, whether that's building a business, you know, moving up the corporate ladder, raising a family, whatever it is that, you know, people are putting their day-to-day -day focus on. And I kind of got to the point where I felt that I needed to do something differently. So um, I took the plunge into multifamily investing in 2014, um, you know, with some really great results. And as time went on, 
um, I was able to sell the equity in my business. And when deciding what I wanted to do, I realized that I could spend more time on my own investments, but needed to immerse myself in this world a little bit more. So um, I obtained my uh, sales license and uh, have just kind of been devouring uh, all the information that exists out there and learning and helping other investors get started. And um, I'm able to help others while I manage my own portfolio as well. So that's the story of how I got into the space. Yeah, very interesting story. So let me ask you, um, were, were there, did you have any um, mentors, whether, whether it's a book that just made you say, aha, this is what I want to do, um, or any people that, that really led you into the space that, that helped you kind of jump into it maybe faster, um, any, anything that may have helped the transition over, or did you always, I mean, how did you know multifamily was that, you know, incredible space that you would eventually move into? Okay, well, in answer to the question, um, I was very, very lucky in that through a personal acquaintance um, is actually one of the founders of Buckingham Investments and the brokerage that I represent. Um, at the time, we knew each other on a personal level, and this is the, the one of the founders, Marty Stone, and just didn't really know what he did other than that he was in real estate. So um, I did reach out at one point to say, hey, I'd like to kind of pick your brain about multifamily investing and see what you know and if you can point me in the right direction, you know, not even knowing that he was the, you know, one of the founders of this, you know, specialty brokerage that was um, in existence since 1963 in helping uh, build net worth for clients. And we kind of sat down and talked about what I was looking for from my investments. And when we applied the real estate model, you know, I, I hate to use these buzzwords and terms like no brainer, but let's just say when we looked at the, the financial model and how the numbers worked and what the potential was over an extended period of time, to get very high returns, the number side of it really made sense. It, there really wasn't any hesitation um, on my part as far as the numerical side of what your potential returns can be. Um, I found as an investor, though, the part that kind of gave me a little bit of pause was, okay, this sounds good. We can take a chunk of money. Uh, we can invest in a down payment. We can become an apartment owner. And will you know get a sustained rate of return of x percent for the next so many years i mean that was all great but then it was like okay well what happens after we actually own the building we have to deal with tenant turnover vetting of new tenants uh, maintenance issues all these other things that could affect the day-to-day -day. and at the end of the day the journey into real estate was all about the return on the investment. It really wasn't about, oh, I just need to own a lot of buildings like a game of Monopoly. It was more about the returns that you can get. And then you put in the equation of how you manage it and operate it, that it starts to become a little bit daunting for some people. Um, but luckily, you know, our brokerage does offer a referral service to experts in the field. And, you know, at some point you have to decide that it's the right path for you or not and uh, mm -hmm. take the plunge. So 
that's what I did. And like I said, the results have been, have been great. We have a professional team that, that we work with that deals with the, uh, the day to day and uh, it makes for a very, very um, nice investment. So really no sleepless nights. So let, let's put it that way. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And you know what, I think you touched on a really great point. You know, you said that you know, you reached out to this person, whether you knew it or not, but you're taking, a, you know, a leap, you know, into an unknown area. And lo and behold, you find some, an amazing resource that has all this wealth of knowledge and, and together you, you to, you know, discover an area, a location, you know, a, a class of property that, that can really has um, exponential growth um, that may not have been seen if you didn't make that initial you know, um, leap of faith and, and reaching out for information. So I can, I can completely see why you're doing it now. I mean, why, if, if you've had this much success, then why not share it with others? So no, that's, um, that's very, very good information to have. Um, okay. So let's talk about a recent deal that you've done from start to finish. If you, if you have one in mind that you maybe can take us from everything from maybe how you found the deal to the to the negotiation something that maybe represents the typical type of property that you look for yeah um i'd be happy to do that i can kind of think of an example um that i recently closed uh, for a client which was uh, a new investor somebody looking to get started um in their mid to late 20s you know just getting established professionally and with some, you know, um, financial resources behind them, uh, wanted to be in the realm of investing. And uh, we were actually referred to them by a local lender that we work with. And, you know, a big part of this business, like any other, is referrals and, and word of mouth and just building your network. And, uh, and it's nice that that, that, that works. So um, this client in particular said, hey, I have, you know, part of the qualifying process for us is once we get through all the educational um, part of it and the planning and how to build a portfolio is, OK, how do we get started? So a big part of that is the qualification process. How much money does someone have to invest? Uh, how much can they be qualified for on the funding side? And then you can go out and actually look at properties that fall within that criteria. So it makes it easy. You're not out there, you know, trying to buy something for a client that may not be in the, in the realm of their um, affordability, if you will. Mm -hmm. So yep. once we get all past that, we look for opportunities that fall within their investment goals. So when we talk about multifamily, there's a lot of different types of opportunities out there. A lot of them may be fully stabilized, buildings where there's no deferred maintenance or capital expenditure rents are close or right at market value so it's really just a question of you know getting in there with some minimal upside rents and it becomes a very easy asset to manage um, other investors prefer things that may be more of a repositioning project where they'll come in um, spend a lot of money on the building where rents are significantly under market value bring those up to current market rents and actually create um, a lot of equity, forced equity um, by doing all this work. So this deal in particular uh, with this investor was they were looking for something that was more stabilized in a 
in a good area. They had a budget that they were working with, and the mission was to find a really great performing property that they could start their portfolio with. So we were able to identify a four-unit property, fully stabilized, a bit of you know potential um, upside in the rents, probably about 10 to 15% in a transitional area in, uh, in Long Beach on the east side, very close to some high GRM areas, some nicer parts, um, such as I guess the areas being Rose Park and Rose Park South. Um, we were able to find a building that had been on the market for um, an extended period of time. And we see, uh, I like to use this you know, expression because people ask all the time, well, where do you source these deals? Like, where do you find them? And a lot of people love, you know, the the idea of finding these off market deals that are kind of hidden away that that nobody uh, knows about. But a lot of the times we find that the best opportunities are what we call hidden in plain sight, mm-hmm. where you may have uh, a building that's been on the market for longer than it should. And we kind of want to go back and find out why that is. Um, does it need some type of repair that uh, a certain investor is not willing to do versus something that your investor is willing to do. Um, Has the property been marketed incorrectly? Meaning was it put out on the market initially at too high of a price? And then you just have to keep lowering the price. And then everyone looks at it saying, Oh, this property has been on the market for four months. And, you know, I wonder why nobody wants it. There must be something wrong with it. Well, sometimes the only thing wrong with it is it's just, you know, put on the market at too high of a price and, you know, people waiting around for the market to catch up, you know, sometimes that strategy doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. we never know the psychology behind a seller. Why are they selling? Um, Do they need the money? Are they looking to do a 1031 exchange? You know, we're not really privy to any of this. So we kind of found a a great opportunity for this buyer. Um, The price was starting to come back down into the the realm of what it should be. Um, Can you what, share with us the price without giving us the address or the name of the buyer or anything? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to say um, this is probably an extreme example, but the property first came on the market uh, over $1.3 million. And in the space of um, two to four units properties is not considered commercial. So it's very, very hard to apply a valuation based on the gross rent multiplier. We also have to look at price per square footage. So mm-hmm. there's a kind of a delicate balance there in determining what the property is worth. So and what was the rent? Um, the gross scheduled rents, I want to say, were $6,000 a month. So $1,500 a unit. These were two bed, one bath units. And um, we're, we're looking at six thousand a month in in gross scheduled income. So we did our. Cap, uh, do you know what cap rate that, that was off the top of your head? Uh, I mean, if you don't, that's fine. I'm just kind of curious. No, I can probably dig it up. But that's, um, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about this was where the value was in this building was on the, you know, was on that upside in that you know ten percent extra rents. Um, and really being able to purchase it at the right price. So it's on the market at 1.3 million approximately. Obviously, it's not generating interest or phone calls at that point. 
and the price mm. gets lowered to 1.2 million. And again, this is still not the correct price point for this property. This property really, I believe, was well worth somewhere in the 900,000 range. So um, the pricing was again adjusted and into a range where now the list price or asking price was literally in a range of 900 to 999,000 looking to, you know, generate more interest in the property. And Mm -hmm. um, we were just very close to the holidays and the property had been on the market for a while and the asking price was starting to come into the realm of what it should be. So my buyer had a financial model lined up. He knew where he wanted to be. And, um, at the end of the day, ended up getting into this uh, property for right under 900000 So a property that was way overpriced on the market to begin with ended up selling for um, a fantastic price. When we did our comparative market analysis, as we do, we don't just look at the financial performance of the property, which is obviously huge and very important, those metrics, but we also want to make sure that our even if the property is going to perform, we don't want our buyers to be paying over, you know, market price. So we do a comparative market analysis. We look at all the close sales similar to, you know, residential properties when we're dealing with the two to four unit space. And we start looking at price per square foot. And once we were kind of in the realm, we realized that we were able to secure the property, um, instead of being above a market value or at market value, it ended up being below market value and turned into a phenomenal deal. And we performed the rents uh, conservatively as we always do, because we want to overperform for our clients. And we were looking at 1650 per unit per month, plus being able to charge extra for garage spaces. And when the property management came and did their initial walkthrough, they're like, oh my goodness, these, these units are huge at 800 square feet and they're in great shape. You know, we can get you 1,750 to 1,800 a month rent plus the garages. So mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're looking at uh, your returns, um, the ability to generate extra income is huge. So yes. that ended up being uh, a win-win, um, obviously for our buyer investors and, uh, you know, being able to... Uh, start a journey with a client that uh that will work with us for many years to come yes i think that that sounds like a fabulous deal i mean you he comes in immediately gets to increase the rent and then you know you have a management company who clearly sees the value and in, in the larger sizes and and thinks it can go even higher um, i think that is um something that all investors love to hear um, how, so how did you how did you finance the deal? Was this an owner occupied property, or did he buy it as an investment? Uh, it was not. It was purchased as an investment with uh, just a, a conventional financing from a uh, from a mortgage lender. So very straightforward deal. Twenty five percent down, seventy five percent loan loan to value, and uh, off you go. The 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 deal penciled out. Um, there's appreciations to be had down the line with all Southern California property. Um, there's an element of return that can be obtained from the increased 
um, cash flow and rents that, that'll be charged, as well as uh, tax benefits and equity buildup through amortization. And you put that all together and you have, uh, you know, when you take that leverage into account as well, because you're only putting 25% down, you throw in those appreciation numbers and the overall combined return on a deal like that in year one is about 34% return on your money. So there's a lot of opportunity in this market. And we feel that some investors um, are too quick to discount it because they look at these individual metrics and say, oh, no way, I'm not going to buy a building that cash flows only 3% or that only has a cap rate of five. But when you look at the big picture and why this model works, um, you're seeing sustained rates of return um, averaging 25% and above. And those deals are, they're out there. It's not uh, that there's, that they're hard to come by. They're, they're out there. And those are the types of things that our investors look for. So you mentioned the, the, the current market. What are your thoughts on the current state of the multifamily market? Um, I believe the market to be very resilient. Um, we've all heard a lot of things in the market about how real estate is, you know, perhaps trending downwards. And a lot of people are applying what goes on in, in one market to some type of national market, which we feel doesn't really exist. We feel that all markets are regional and, you know, real estate performs better in some markets than others based on a lot of different factors. And we like the, um, the underlying market drivers that exist in Southern California, uh, strong local economy, uh, shortage of available land to which to build on. And uh, we're probably about a half a million to a million units behind the current demand. So we have vacancy rates of under 2% um, in this market and demand is strong. And we feel that that's going to continue to deliver on the market. Um, we actually looked at um, where the market was going and uh, we believe that multifamily is going to remain very, very strong. And um, on the residential side, it's a little bit of a different story. Um, there's an affordability um, factor that's coming into play. We're seeing inventory levels growing right now. And sooner or later, the supplies of, uh, or rather the laws of supply and demand, you know, will kick in and we'll start to see um, on the residential side, if we're not seeing that already, is prices starting to come down. But, um, you know, in our local market, based on our, our market data, um, the pricing is still continuing to go up. Um, into, you know, through fourth quarter of, uh, of 2018. So we're Excellent. still, uh, you know, fairly, fairly bullish. So what is the one thing you need today to be more successful at what you do? And, and that can be deals, funding, uh, qualified clients, or any, maybe all of the above. What, what, do, what would you say is the one thing if possible? Well, I think that the, um, you know, the market conditions are there that are favorable to investors. I think that financing provided, you know, buyers can qualify. Um, overall, I think there's a lot of uh, money out there for financing deals. So that's not an issue. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's having more clients in the pipeline that are um, open-minded 
and that want to learn about this market and why it works. You know, at the end of the day, it's not for everybody. You know, some people just want to get a good, solid cash on cash return and they're not really interested in anything else. We're coming um, towards investors from a different perspective. We're saying you can build a, a large portfolio over time that if you have 15, 20 years to put into this market that you can, you know, essentially grow a multi-million dollar portfolio just literally from one starter property. And it's achievable for anybody um, that can qualify for something as simple as a first-time buyer, owner-occupied loan, starting out with a duplex and, you know, doing a house hack, building up your equity, and then mm -hmm. being able to take that money and put it to work into something larger, perhaps 1031 exchanging you know, from a duplex to a triplex or your first fourplex, and then getting to the point where, you know, you can leverage that to buy a second property and you just kind of keep doing that. And, you know, whether the market's going up or going down, you know, in the long term, you know, over the last 50 years uh, and beyond, uh, we've seen the market to be very resilient and always recover past its uh, previous highs uh, as it goes through the cycles. So, a big thing that we educate our clients on is not to try and time the market. So um, one of the takeaways that, that we have for, for clients is not only are you not trying to time the market, um, but you want to have any investment that you have uh, perform positively with respect to the cash flow out of the gate. So you're never going to be out of pocket. You never want to be in a situation where um, you'll be forced to sell that property. So as long as you can afford to keep that property running and it can pay for itself and you don't have a need to sell it, you just have to kind of ride those market cycles, um, whether, you know, you're in an upturn or a downturn. If you're not selling, it really doesn't matter. You're just kind of marching along. And in the long term, that building is appreciating and making you money. Yeah, I think that that's really, really well said. And, you know, I think Robert Kiyosaki even says uh, most people, they can have a great plan to become rich. But the problem is they get bored of it very quickly and they want to do something else and they let go of something that's already working so well. So I, I think what you just said when you when you talk about, you know, people having to ride out the market cycles rather than trying to always buy low and sell high which typically results in the complete opposite, you know, buying high and selling low, um, you need to find those right properties that, that can last through all of it. So, um, no, no, great advice. Um, so what, what other advice would you have for others who might want to start to do what you're doing? Or, or you can take that in two different ways, I guess, do what you do or possibly, you know, get into multifamily investing. What would you say is the first step? Well, I would say the first step is educate yourself. Get out there and take advantage of all the resources that are available to investors, which may have not existed um, in the past. Uh, I know that, you know, both you and I could speak for the fact that we have a very strong investment community here in Southern California. So mm -hmm. there's everything from local meetup groups um, all over Los Angeles where people are, you know, presenting, uh, having guest speakers. And, you know, there's a no cost, no obligation factor there where it's just kind of come out and network, meet some people, learn about how this works and help 
formulate a plan for yourself. And that's even, you know, perhaps making contacts and resources that you can joint venture, you can add your expertise and perhaps participate in a deal to get started if you don't necessarily have the capital. Um, you know, the journey has to start somewhere. So whether that's um, online communities, such as a, a bigger pockets or taking advantage of listening to different podcasts, perhaps such as this one, um, where you can kind of come away from that with some good, solid knowledge and foundation and, and look to apply that going forward. I totally agree with all of that. So Jeff, um, I want to thank you for being on uh, my podcast today. How can others reach you? Um, others can reach me um, through um, a lot of social media presence that I have. I'm on the Bigger Pockets community uh, under my profile name of Jeffrey Eisenberg. That's spelled I S E N B E R G. Um, I also host a local meetup in the San Fernando Valley, which can be found on meetup.com. And that's known as the Sherman Oaks Multifamily Real Estate. Uh, investing meetup. So we meet uh, monthly. We have guest panelists, different topics. Um, our next one uh, is March 27th. We're um, having a lender panel where we're going to be presenting a lot of the various loan products that are available to investors and find out what underwriters look for in, uh, in evaluating your, your qualifications. And um, those are two of the best ways to get a hold of me. Or you can find me through our company website at buckinghaminvestments.com. Excellent. Excellent. A lot of great ways to reach you. And that's how we met actually is through one of these meetups and, um, you know, all the, all the great advice that you, you're welcome to share. Um, you know, that's why a lot of everybody has to go out there. You got to meet people, you got to get out of your comfort zone and, and try to find something new. So again, Jeff, th thanks for everything. And um, I hope you come back and um, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Be my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Bye-bye.